Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus, powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. We are recording this podcast on Ben Yount. You are my guest today. What, what is the date today? Today is the 6th of October. It is your birthday. Well, yeah, I, I had to throw that to you because you can't just say, hey, it's my birthday. You have to have someone <laughs> else point that out for you. And he's like, oh, is it? Oh, my goodness. That's just that's fabulous. I, I had totally forgotten. So it had slipped my mind. Ben Yount, who is the Wisconsin correspondent and my personal assistant who keeps track of my birthdays, <laughs> uh, is situated in Wisconsin where he does a yeoman's job covering Wisconsin politics, taxpayer-oriented stories, and what have you. So, Ben, what are you doing today? To celebrate my birthday. Well, I'm I'm not doing anything to celebrate your birthday. I, oh, as, 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 as I have That's cool. as I have had to tell several people several times. I I recently forgot my wife's birthday, but I figured out the solution that uh, we had to buy jewelry for a, a separate thing, an event. We had to go to a, a gala for her work, and so we ended up going to a very very nice jewelry store up here hussar's jeweler uh by the way that one's free the next one they have to pay for and this <laughs> wonderful jewel jewel saleswoman was very very kind and she just happened to say hey when's your anniversary knowing that we would then get emails or text messages saying hey anniversary's coming up why don't you come on in and i gave the saleswoman my wife's birthday and said please send me a reminder every year that way i never forget so i've got it covered for next year so i don't know what i'm going to do for your birthday next year bruce but i've got my wife's birthday covered it's going to cost me because these are not cheap jewelry stores but i would rather have to pay that money than relive the 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 the, the horror of forgetting my wife's birthday this year oh yeah oh yeah well you know what you're smarter than you look ben young you're smarter than you look. I, I can hardly be dumber than I look. That is that, that because I look awful dumb many times. <laughs> I just think of, you know, like an old Warner Brothers cartoon or something. And uh, Ben Yount with his uh, hangdog expression. So anyway, let's move along. I mean, I've, I've got birthday celebrating to do yeah. later on. And uh, a lot of it involves uh, Southern blues rock and. Uh, live music and a gaggle of friends. So uh, let's hop across the lake. And it, you wrote a story today about the Milwaukee public schools are requiring FAFSA application before kids can graduate. What the what? Yeah, this is one of these things. It's a head scratcher, Ben. That I'm sure someone thought was a good idea. FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. And this is something that, that most students from, from working class families, anyone who's going to have to get a student loan, anyone who would qualify for a Pell Grant, that this is the application that sort of says, okay, here's what's available for you. 
And I'm sure that somebody in Milwaukee Public Schools, somebody at, at the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction, somebody somewhere who, who had a, a well-meaning idea said, hey, you know what would be great? We should have our kids fill these things that we should make it a graduation requirement that you have to fill out a FAFSA application. That way you can just see what sort of financial aid you qualify for before you graduate for high school. That's it, 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 well-meaning. The the problem, but is, is it is it though? Is it? I, that, I, yeah. I, I have I have questions, but go ahead. Well, but the, like like so many other things that that sound well intentioned, so many other things that that sound like they come from a place of of love. When it becomes public policy, it, it, it runs into the harsh reality. And the reality is that Milwaukee public schools are graduating maybe 65 percent of their kids. In the story, I think we put the graduation rate at about 64. And of the kids who graduate, so again, 40% of kids don't graduate from Milwaukee public schools. And of those who do, only about a third actually went to college in 2020, the last numbers that they had. And so you've got the overwhelming majority of kids in Milwaukee public schools who don't go to college. And the Heritage Foundation actually retweeted the tweet that we put out about this story, and they pointed out that UW-Milwaukee, which is partnering with U- with Milwaukee Public Schools on this, has a 23% four-year graduation rate. That's the worst in the state of Wisconsin. And what that means is that you have a lot of these kids who come who are coming out of Milwaukee Public Schools, of those who even graduate, less than half far less than half, go to college. And of those who go to college, most of them are unprepared. We talked with the MacGyver Institute, one of the the, the think tanks here in Wisconsin, and their policy director pointed out that you've got schools as a district, Milwaukee Public Schools, 80% of kids cannot read or write at grade level. And Grade level, every time we talk about this, I, I feel almost broken record-esque, but it needs to be pointed out. When you see these test scores and they talk about proficiency or they talk about reading and writing at grade level, that's a C. So you've got 80% of kids in Milwaukee public schools who cannot get a C in reading, in math, in science, in social studies. And yet Milwaukee public schools are running around celebrating this idea that those kids, kids who can't read, can't write, can't do math as they should, are now somehow one step closer to college because, well, here's a here's a, a list of free money for you. And, and, and Adam Kissel from the Heritage Foundation pointed out that you're going to have a lot of students who will go into debt and go to a college that they're not prepared for, and they won't finish. He says the push by MPS is going to have significant negative unintended consequences for a lot of Milwaukee students, and that's the problem. That That's, that's where this, oh, hey, you know what? It would be a good idea. You are going to have some students who say, well, it, it's look, I, I've got, I've got $6,000 in federal student aid. I should go to school. Well, when tuition's about ten grand, that's a four thousand dollar gap. And next thing you know, four thousand, four thousand, four thousand, four thousand, and you will have students who go off and have to take high school math all over again in college for a cost. Take 
high school English all over again in college for a cost. And then you just throw in the, the, the regularities of life gets in the way of college. Even if you are a dedicated four-year student living on campus, you've finally gone off to whatever school it is you want. You have an awful lot of kids. I think it's about 25% of students don't graduate in four years or, or, or don't graduate at all. And so this this it would be predatory if this was something that was being pushed by the colleges. You know what I mean? This would be something that that, that, that that someone should critically look at and say, are they really helping these kids? And I, the MacGyver Institute pointed out that that Milwaukee public schools would be far better off if instead of focusing on college aid for kids who aren't going to college, they would just simply teach these kids to read and write and do math. Uh, ancillary question I would have for you on this, Ben, is, is there not a concern over privacy? When it comes to parents filling out financial documents and giving it to government agencies willy nilly, even if, if your child does not intend to go to mm -hmm. pursue secondary education. I mean, it, it just seems like you're, you're gathering all of this personal private information and it really has no bearing on a lot of the parents and a lot of the students. That That is part of the other concern here is that, yes, you are now asking parents who may not have gone to college themselves. This may be, you know, sort of first time student application. And you're going to say, turn over your financials. I want to have your social security number. I want to have all of this other personal information that your FAFSA requires and you are going to have pushback from parents. I, I, I promise you, you would get pushback from parents in suburban schools that say, wait, I, I'm not I'm not quite ready for you to require that I do X, Y and Z. I, if I want to send my kid to college, then I'll take care of that. It shouldn't be a requirement. This is where and, and we, we, we use the quote in the story of the the college access coordinator for Milwaukee schools saying this, this shouldn't be an impediment. Because all that's required is for essentially conversations about what's available that I don't think that MPS is going to go through every single application and say, OK, well, on on line 17, you didn't properly state your mother's income. I'm not going to be able to give you a high school diploma until you can bring me a W-2 from your mom and prove to me that she doesn't have a job. I, 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 I don't think that MPS is going to do that. Again, this is so much one of these, somebody had an idea. This program strikes me as, as what we've seen in you know state after state after state, administration after administration after administration. Somebody had an idea, and they decided to roll forward with it without really thinking about the second, third level, you know, consequences or repercussions or how it really plays. And so, yeah, this, like so many other things, hey, we're going to teach about Native American history. Cool, great, fantastic. We still only have 180 days in school, but we'll we'll jam that lesson in. Hey, we're going to teach about, we're going to teach about, wouldn't it be nice if we had kids watch a movie about, you know, unfunded mandates are the bane of local schools. And I believe that Milwaukee public schools are thoroughly going to ignore this just simply because they're struggling to get kids across that graduation stage as is. And I cannot see under any circumstance MPS not graduate a young man or a young woman because, well, you didn't properly fill out your FAFSA or you didn't fill it out entirely. I, th this, this will be one of these 
It's a headline here in October, but come May when it's graduation, I, 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 I just, I, I doubt there will be a stack of these financial aid applications <laughs> sitting, sitting on anybody's desk in, in MPS. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, when, when my kids were still in school, the last thing I appreciated was them bringing homework for me to fill out. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, I, I already have a gig and this is, this is nonsense. I will do this because it's required for them to go to college if they want to receive financial aid. However, uh, to have a high school student come home and say, dad, it's time for you to fill out this FAFSA form. I'd just say, um, I don't think so. There's a uh, telethon on right now and it's back to back Rockford Files episodes and I'm not missing this for anything. Don't send your DNA to the Internet and be wary about giving the federal government your financial information for anything. I feel like I just climbed a mountain and talked to a guru. <laughs> ben, that was absolutely fantastic. Okay, let's move along. We're we're getting kind of short on time here because uh, this was this actually was a conversation that went on a little bit longer. Because, but there, like you said, there are so many unintended consequences that could arise from uh, such a plot. So um, here's one. Um, Tim Michaels is talking. He's talking. He, he's running for governor, so he's going to be talking and he's going to be talking about the flat tax. So uh, some people say, yay, Tim Michaels, and others are saying, boo, Tim Michaels. What's going on with that? Yeah, the, the key the key word here is talking about a flat tax. There's there's no proposal. There there aren't any numbers. And, and this is something that, that, that Michaels, to his credit, has has talked about. In the past, he's talked about getting the smartest people in the room, bringing them together and figuring out the details of the policy after that. That, that if there is if there is any criticism that can be leveled at Michaels, he, he's in he's not a politician. He's a businessman. He's coming in to Wisconsin from the from outside of the active political arena. I mean, he's a big donor, but he was never a candidate, never ran for anything. And and he's he's great on the broad strokes. And there haven't been a lot of details yet. And some of that's election year. You know, you, you don't have time. If he sat down with a binder and said, OK, Ben, let's go over how far into this flat tax. And we started breaking down every bracket. Then I would be writing snarky leads about Tim. Tim Michaels has a binder full of numbers and he's can't wait to explain. I mean, he's I knew you were going to go yeah, there, Ben. It, you you know, got to talk about binders and you got to talk about Mitt Romney. Yeah, well, that, that that is that is true. But he's talking about a flat tax and Wisconsin right now has a progressive income tax. Our, our tax rates started about three and a half percent and go to a little over seven and a half percent, three point five, four percent. If you're keeping score to seven point six, five percent, if you've got the scorebook at home. And Michael seemed to say he wanted to get that tax rate under five percent. So it would be a big cut for the the upper 
income earners, but it would also be a huge cut essentially for, for small businesses, because as we know, many, 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 many small businesses, they actually file taxes, you know, as, as individuals. And so when you start to cut the individual income tax rate, you really are helping out small businesses as much as you are helping out, you know, millionaires of, of which Michaels is a millionaire. I mean, he's not like a $2 million dry cleaner. He is a multimillionaire construction magnet. And so I'll get to where the Democrats are pinging him on that. But this is not new. Republicans have been talking about tax reform here in Wisconsin for years. And in fact, former Governor Walker and our friends at the no Badger relation. Institute. Uh, yeah, no, no, no relation. Uh, our friends at the Badger Institute and a number of these other conservative think tanks came out earlier this year or late last year. I'm pretty sure it was earlier this year with a plan to get rid of Wisconsin's personal income tax altogether. They wanted to become Florida or Tennessee or Texas or, or one of the other states mm -hmm. that simply doesn't have a personal income tax. And the the idea there was to make Wisconsin an island in the Midwest because Illinois has got a flat income tax. Michigan has a flat income tax. Minnesota has a progressive income tax that goes all the way up to almost 10 percent. Nine point eight five percent is their top tax bracket. And Iowa has a progressive income tax, but is moving to a flat tax. So if, if Wisconsin were to go no income tax, it would be, we, we would stand out. And a lot of people, as we saw with the, the massive flow of people down to Florida and Texas, a lot of people want to move to a place where there are no income taxes. So Michael's decision to talk about a flat income tax is not that surprising. But but again, there could be a little bit of disagreement. And this is where the, the, the details come in. Now, as, as, as I, I like how you punched up my, my headline, bravos and brickbats, the, the, the Democrats here in Wisconsin obviously are going to go where you thought they would. And they're going to point out that Tim Michaels is wealthy. And he, he owns the largest construction company in the state of Wisconsin. And, and they, they said that he's running to enrich himself. And the quote, the icing on the cake is a radical tax policy that doesn't help all Wisconsinites, just the richest like himself. But Mike Nichols over at the Badger Institute said that this actually is going to help a lot of people here in Wisconsin, again, not just for small businesses. But if you if you change Wisconsin's tax code, if you if you make Wisconsin competitive when it comes to tax policy, we really are an attractive state. We, we really are a beautiful place to live, have wonderful communities and, and you know, encouraging jobs to move to Wisconsin, encouraging companies to expand in Wisconsin, giving people the opportunity to open their business here in Wisconsin in ways that, com that compare favorably to Illinois or Michigan or Minnesota, where the taxes or the regulations are you know, blue state governors. And so th this is this is a this is an interesting point that an awful lot of Republicans are hoping that Tim Michaels doesn't just, you know, shelve after the election. Uh, I can tell you this, that there are there are talks in the legislature right now about legislation as to just where they're going to go. We, we have a, a, a record six billion dollar surplus here in, in Wisconsin, and there are talks as to how to spend that money, what to do with Wisconsin surplus. And the, the, the last conversation I had with with Republicans in the Senate, they weren't looking small. They weren't looking to give everybody a two hundred dollar rebate. They're looking to make substantial 
tax reforms. And so Tim Michaels, if he wins, he's going to be presented in January and February and March, the first three months of, of, of what would be his first year. He is going to be presented with dozens of pieces of legislation that are going to follow up on his, his election year talking, his election year promises. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see just, just how many of them he follows up on and how many of them he, he wants to have an, an input on. We currently have in Wisconsin, and this is just sort of an aside, but we currently have in Wisconsin a situation where the legislature is driving the bus on everything. The legislature writes the budget. The legislature sets the priorities. Governor Evers, even though he has a a very powerful line item veto pen, even though he is the governor and and there is no veto proof majority in the the, the assembly and, and the Senate, that the legislature is running the show. If Tim Michaels comes in, and works with a Republican governor working with a Republican legislature. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works out, because, again, it's it's one thing when 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 a Republican legislature bullies a Democratic governor. It'll be interesting to see who gets to wear the big boy pants when we have a Republican governor. Fascinating. I imagine that you can be prepared to listen to a lot of conversation about how a flat tax is actually regressive when it applies to lower income families. And uh, it's a conversation that that should be had. I, yeah. I think I think that you should constantly revisit questions on, on taxation such as this, because it's it's what people who actually govern responsibly do. And, and that's this is the thing is you have to find that balance between bringing in enough money to actually run the state. I, I know that there there are an awful lot of, of small government conservatives, but you do still have to run the snowplows. You do still have to have prisons. You do still have to have a UW system. You, 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 you may not in be be be. 100 percent supportive of all of the administrators who work on UW campuses. But the, the, the UW system is a gem here in Wisconsin. And so there is going to be finding that balance. And there, there is if you if you do eventually you know take the step, OK, we're going to we're going to eliminate the personal income tax altogether, as some Republicans want. Well, does, does that mean we're moving to a higher sales tax? What does that do to property taxes? Uh, once you start, once you crack this egg, once you take a look at, OK, we're going to do this it gets kind of sticky to get into the details. And so some of some of Michael's reluctance to lay out a plan is undoubtedly that, that if while you're running, you want to get too far into the weeds, you want to go all the way down into the paper, the white paper policy, you're you're going to get you're going to get you know, dragged down. Some of it is, is also he doesn't know. And, and to his credit, he says he's going to get the smartest people in the room. Uh, I, I know that there are, there are competing ideas, and so who gets in that room becomes really important. But uh, yeah, it, so much of the attention this race has been given to school choice and and crime and Tony Evers' policies during the coronavirus and, and Tony Evers' policies that let people out of prison. There hasn't been an awful lot that talks about the nuts and bolts of state government and and a flat tax tax policy spending our surplus figuring out how to continue the state down its path that's that's n- the nuts and the bolts and 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 we'll we'll hopefully get more of that okay well let's close out with a story that you filed last week and it's about uh, St. Augustine's school in Colgate and there was a lawsuit because 
they weren't being the children were not being allowed to ride on the public school bus. Yeah, this one is is interesting because Wisconsin has a law that allows kids in private school to use the public school buses. Well, right. And which makes a lot of sense because their parents still pay the property taxes that pay for the public schools and the public school services. So why wouldn't they be allowed to ride on the bus? I live in Michigan. I went to a parochial school and didn't ride the bus because it was out of the our particular school district. However, uh, had we lived in the school district, we would have been riding the bus. If you if you if you were going to public school, you you you'd have all of these services, but because you chose to go to private school, you, you didn't. the The wrinkle in Wisconsin's private school school bus law is that they'll only pick one school. So if you've got three different Catholic schools, right, Saint Dominic's and Saint Aloysius and Blessed Sacrament, all three of them can't get bus service one does first come first serve essentially and what was going on here that the parents from saint augustine were, were accusing the, the the local school district uh which is the freeze lake school district holy hill area schools now if you're keeping the scorecard at home that holy hill essentially said look we've got kids from milwaukee they're they're they're, they're kids who who live here who go to uh, you know, the, the Catholic schools in Milwaukee. So they get the bus service. You don't. And this was sort of a split ruling because while the judge didn't change the law, it's still first come first serve. What this ruling did is it, is it reinforced that it's not the job of the local school district to figure out which Catholic school qualifies as a Catholic school, which 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 private religious school qualifies as that private religious school. The lawyer for for Will, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, put it like this. He said, it's always been clear that government has no right to decide the meaning of religious terms such as Catholic, much less deny public benefits face, based on those determinations. said they're, they're happy that the court has now confirmed that doing that breaks the state law. And so this is really it is it is a narrow ruling in that it only applies to the, the one school district and it doesn't overturn the law, but it clarifies and makes it clear that schools are going to have a lot harder time cherry picking and denying these kinds of service and to bring it back and go meta to the conversation we just had. One of the things that Tim Michaels is promising right off the bat is universal school choice. All kids in Wisconsin get to make a choice. And so this law, this idea of public school buses and private schools, that is going to become center as, as, as Republicans, as education reformers look to break down the traditional public government based your zip code and your birthday determined where you go to school kind of school. Well, Ben, I think that's about all the time we have for this week on Wisconsin in Focus. I want to thank Ben Young for joining me today. And I want our listeners to make sure to subscribe to Wisconsin in Focus wherever you get your podcast. We will be back next week. <laughs>